1 Corinthians chapter 13. As you're turning there, I would just encourage you to continue to pray for each other. Uh, I got a couple phone calls this week of people struggling, and you'll see that in your prayer bulletin. I also challenge you to take a look at the prayer bulletin as we send that out Wednesday, and um, just continue to pray that uh, God would continue to work in people, and people going through some very difficult times right now. So I would pray that you would uh, ask that you would pray for them uh, this week and then uh, ongoing. So continue with that. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, how many of you wish that you could go back in your life 20 years? Anybody? I wish I could go back and do some things over again. (laughs) Um, There are several things that I wish I could go back and do over again. Um, 20 years is a long time ago. Um, Sometimes I would just like to live it over again and try over again. Uh, Knowing what I know now, try that all over again. I would love to have that much energy again. I would love to have that much energy. I feel like I have a lot of energy right now, but 20 years ago I had even more. Um, How many of you think that if you went back 20 years, you would make the same mistakes that you did on the way through the first time? Anybody? Yeah, you probably would. Let's Let's be real. We probably would make the same mistakes again. There are many times in my life I wish I could go back, but at the same time, I have learned some things that I probably wouldn't have learned any other way. I've learned some difficult uh, things that I have struggled through, shall I say, and thought, oh, I do not want to go through this. I do not want to learn this, but I would have not learned it any other way. I would not have made a good decision no matter what information I had. It would not be a good thing. So I needed to learn some lessons. There's something to be said of life lessons and lessons learned. Uh, Life can be a harsh teacher, but yet if we will be a good student, we will learn from the lessons that we have, we have learned lessons from our lives. The lessons that we have learned in our earlier years have shaped the way that we think and act today. Some of you maybe need to learn some more lessons because <laughs> uh, we've not necessarily learned everything that we should do. But these things that have formed us into what we are today, there are things that I did 20 years ago that I would not do again today absolutely would not do again today. For instance, no, I'm not giving you any for instances. Um, uh, Those things are just not worth it. Just not worth it. There are things in my life that I thought, oh, this is absolutely, I need to die for this thing. And it was not near worth that. For those of you doing the math 20 years ago, I was 12 years old. 12 years old. So you think, oh my goodness. But I can honestly say there were times that I was getting in arguments with my mother, mother at this age. And I remember getting into some pretty fierce arguments in the next couple of years ahead. Things did not always go necessarily according to plan. I was immature. If I can use the word, I was stupid. And it was, it was not necessarily one of my finer moments. But today, I've learned to bite my tongue, just a little bit more anyway, And sometimes it hurts, sometimes it starts to bleed, but I've learned to bite my tongue just a little bit. You see, we learn lessons. I remember walking into the back door, and maybe you've heard heard me say this a couple of times, I remember walking in the back door of our house, and all the way straight through was the front door, and my mom made it to the front door, and I was in the back door. We always came in the back door, we never came in the front door at that time for whatever reason, and uh, I remember yelling something at my mom. 
And I remember seeing her demeanor change instantly. I couldn't see her face, but her body language changed. And I was in trouble. And I remember that, and that was a lesson learned for me. And there are still times where I say things that I shouldn't say, but at least now I've got a history of things that I've learned when to say something and when not. You see, maturity should happen over time. You should be more mature today than you were 20 years ago. There should be some things that you learn to do better because you've matured. If you've been at a job for 20 years, you learn how to do things even faster or better. I believe the same is true in our spiritual lives, though. And I think sometimes as we look at our spiritual lives, we think, well, I'm saved, and that's pretty much good enough. But 20 years ago, we ought to be more mature in our faith than we were 20 years ago. There should be some things that you've learned to do better because you have matured. And I believe this is what Paul is referring to here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to finish this chapter this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look with me in verse 8. The Bible says this, Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Watch this, verse 9. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Look at verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. Now I know in part. But then shall I know even as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. I want to preach to you a message this evening that I've entitled The Maturity of Charity. The Maturity of Charity. You see, there is a time in our lives where we ought to look back and see if our love, our charity has matured. If we have grown in this, this whole process of love. You see, when you were a child, you used to speak as a child. You understood as a child. And then when you became a man, you put away childish things. This all in the context of love. Let's start here in verse 8. I want you to see, first of all, other things will cease. Other things will cease. Let's read this verse once again. Verse 8, charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. You see, there will be things, there should be things that you stop doing because you have matured. You should stop climbing trees and jumping out of them at ungodly heights because you've matured. You should stop uh, speaking back to your mother because you've matured. You should stop doing things in your life because you have matured. You've grown up and you understand that those things are not necessarily the best things to do. We should stop throwing temper tantrums. Can you imagine, and we do this all the time, can we imagine an adult throwing a temper tantrum on the floor, kicking and screaming? Well, that's not necessarily the same thing as an adult does, but adults still throw temper tantrums. They may not roll on the floor kicking and screaming and yelling, but they still throw temper tantrums. We need to mature. You see, some of these things here, jumping out of a tree, 
some of these things aren't inherently wrong. Some of the things that I used to do aren't inherently wrong. But they just weren't the best thing for me. Paul says here that prophecies and tongues and knowledge shall all cease or all vanish away. They were part, they were just part of what was going on. Not because there was anything necessarily wrong with them. Is there anything wrong with uh, prophecy? No, the, God used prophecy immensely. Used it for his good, for a greater purpose. Is there anything wrong with tongues? No, there was nothing wrong with tongues. I mean, the Holy Spirit gave the gift of tongues and many people came to know Jesus Christ as a result of tongues. Is there anything wrong with knowledge? Again, no, there's, there's nothing wrong with knowing and understanding more. But understand that these things were just in part. They had served their purpose. Again, there are things in my life that I needed to learn. I needed to grow. I needed to be a child. I needed to grow up a little bit. I needed to get a little bit more wisdom than I, than I had prior. The question is this. Why will these things cease? Why will these things cease? Paul writes then, he says, listen, all these big, wonderful, amazing things will cease someday. Why? Well, I want you to see verse 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. You see, they were only partial. They were only a part of what God was trying to do. I want you to think about teenagers. Okay, remember when you were a teenager and you thought you knew everything. You thought you could knew better than your dad. You thought you knew that uh, all life's principles, you could get into arguments or different things like that. Young people, teenagers, are good at knowing only half of the story. They're good at only knowing half of the story. A lot of times they're over-exuberant and often go into a situation like a bull in a china shop. Ah, I'm going to take care of this, and Dad, don't worry, I know what I'm doing, and I can take care of it. All of these different things we don't have all the information all the time, do we? But a more mature person, guess what they do? They sit back just a little bit. And they think and they gather information instead of just exploding, going into all these different types of explosive ways that they're going to take care of a problem. They sit back, they analyze, they try to figure out the best method of attack on this. They chew on it for a while and then they make a decision. That's the difference between a young person and a mature person. God has never given any one person all knowledge. God has never given any one person all knowledge. God has never given any one person all prophecy. If you think about it, he has given parts. There was Isaiah, Jeremiah, <laughs> Lamentations, which was still Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. There's all kinds of different people. Even as we're studying Ezra, there's Haggai and Zechariah. Both of them have different perspectives. They're not prophesying the same thing. They don't prophesy all together. He has only given them bits and pieces. Even Paul didn't receive everything that God wanted to do. Listen, the great Apostle Paul, who had the mystery revealed unto him, did not receive everything that the Lord had intended for every person across every time frame. He did not have all knowledge. He did not receive. He did not have all understanding. So the question is this. We're in the context of love. There's a portion of this. But God is focusing, and Paul is focusing here on love. 
there's partials. Let me ask this question. Can we love perfectly? Can we love perfectly? No doubt as we've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and looking at some of these things, you've been thinking, ah, I don't know if I can do that one. I don't know if I can suffer long and be kind. I'm not sure that I can take those steps. Listen, let me ask this question. We know in part, we prophesy in part, we have all these understandings impartial, so can we love perfectly? That's the question for this evening. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Okay, so when the perfect, when the whole thing comes in, then those things that are in part shall be done away with. If you jump back to verse 8, this is, we're going a little bit cyclical here. Charity never faileth. Okay, that's perfect. It cannot fail. It is mature. It is, it is perfect in every way. But prophecies shall fail. Tongues shall cease. Knowledge shall vanish away because they are in part. Don't, don't lose me yet. Hang on. The entire context of this passage is love. It's charity. The entire thing. It's the immensity and proclivity of love. That's what every part of this is. If you study it, you'll understand that. It talks about how it works. How love works. The Bible talks about how it spans every portion of our life. It talks about how it never fails. Now, I believe, and this means that you can take this for what you want, I believe that this passage here is talking about love or charity being the perfect thing. When that which is perfect is come. I believe this is talking about love. Love is the perfecting thing. It is the completing thing. It is that maturity. Again, I've often said this. I've asked my kids, what is love? How do you know that you love someone? Well, they do things for us. Right? That's a child's love. As you begin to grow and as you begin to mature, you realize the, the importance of love and how it's not just how someone can do something for you, it's really how you can do something for someone else. Love is giving. When you reach the level of perfect love, all other things really don't matter. Think about that. When you reach a perfect level of love, all other things really don't matter. It doesn't matter whether that person did something unkind to you. It doesn't matter if that person uh, did not behave himself properly. It's not easily provoked. And it definitely thinks no evil. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. You see, that's perfect love. Perfect love is so important in our lives and all these other things. Knowledge. Listen, there are things that I know. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Guess what? You know about all those sins. But love covers a multitude of them. Whether there be knowledge, tongues, and prophecies, those things don't matter because, listen, there is really no need for them anymore. There is really no need for them anymore. And Paul very clearly illustrates this in verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought 
as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I believe Paul breaks these things down for us again. Look, he says in the very first, when I was a child, I spake as a child. Tongues, right? Tongues. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that the apostles received the gift of tongues and it worked and God did amazing things and people got saved and people from different countries and places got saved because of the gift of tongues. Amazing. And he says this, I understood as a child. Knowledge. He had knowledge. Listen there, I, I, I don't know everything that Paul understood but he understood as a child. It was just a small portion of what he was understanding. And then he says, I thought as a child. The way that I thought. Listen, prophecies, guess what prophecies did? Prophecies were foretold of what would happen. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so as the prophecies came, that's how it, what happened. Prophecies were fulfilled. So if you think like a child, guess what you're going to do? going to act like a child if i think like a child i'm going to act like a child but paul says this when i became a man guess what i did i put away those childish things when he matured he put those childish things away tongues not necessary knowledge not necessary prophecies not necessary because there's something more important I want you to go back to chapter 13 and verse 1 with me, if you would. He says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing, because those things are in part. I believe love is that perfecting agent. I, love, I believe love is that which is perfect. But the, the Bible doesn't stop here. It continues to give us an example. Look verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face now i know in part but then shall i know even also as also i am known when we're young we don't really know who we are ask any child what they want to be when they grow up and they'll tell you and usually i mean there are different occasions where it comes true but usually for the vast majority, what they say in those interviews are not really what they become. They don't really know who they are. But as we mature, we begin to realize exactly and we are more solidified in what we believe. I remember in college, door knocking and doing all kinds of different soul winning opportunities. And I remember going up to older people's doors and knocking. And I'll, I'll just be honest with you, I didn't like it when older people came to the door. Not because I don't like older people, but because they're just solidified in their beliefs. If, you're, if they're united, they're not going to change now, so to speak. Now, obviously, God can do amazing things. 
If they're Catholic, uh, I've been a Catholic my whole life. I was born a Catholic. I'm just going to die a Catholic. Listen, the older you get, the more solidified you get in what you believe. And as a Christian, we are not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine anymore. We don't let those little things bother us anymore. We don't get, oh, that's a new idea. And we're not distracted by shiny objects as we were when we were a child. I want you to imagine yourself looking into a mirror, maybe at night. It's pretty dark, can't really see anything. All you can maybe see is your outline. You can't see every detail. You can see only maybe a few large features, and if you were to raise your arm, you would be able to tell in the mirror that you were raising your arm. What happens if somebody were to flick the light on? Shine the light on the subject. You would begin to see details Maybe that you don't want to see. You would be able to see those gross details on your face. You would be able to see your thinning hair. You would be able to see all of those finer details of life. Now let's bring this home a little bit, if you will. The Bible says that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I want you to think with me. Put your thinking cap on. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Listen to me. When you have Jesus, you have light. When you have Jesus, you have light. Let me ask this question. What is the best way to become like Jesus? What is the best way to become like like Jesus. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Look with me in verse 12. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 12. The Bible says this. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, look at this. God dwelleth in us. Hold on, it's not even done there. And his love is perfected in us. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Listen to me. When we love, guess what happens? God dwells in us. And when God dwells in us, guess what happens? God's light shines through us. We become the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But guess what else he said? Matthew chapter 5 and through 7 on the Sermon on the Mount. Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, by the love that ye have one to another. How do we become like Jesus? How do we shine the light? How do we be a real Christian? Hear me. It's by our love. Listen, hear me. Please hear me. We think prophecy is so amazing. We think speaking in tongues, wow, what a gift. We think healings, whoa, I wish I could heal people. We have all of these different things, these power things that we would love. There is nothing more powerful than perfect love. Nothing. 
Nothing more powerful. This is who God is. It is perfected in us. And we talked a little bit last week about no man has seen God at any time. How are people going to see God in you? When you love. When you love. Let's go back. Let's flip back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. For now we see, verse 12, through a glass darkly, but then face to face. So we, there's, there's times in our lives where it's just dark. You think, oh, I, I'm not coming like Christ, and I don't know how I'm going to turn the light on for someone else. Listen, love them. Watch this, he says, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. All saying, oh, I only know in part right now, but someday I'm going to know as I am known. Let me ask you this question. How are you known? How are you known? How do, how do people know you? What are you? Who are you? If I was to ask you who you were, and let me ask this question even further. Who are you in Christ? Let me, let me help you out. You are known through Christ as a sinless, spotless Loved, unconditional, saved by grace, soul. That is the worst grammatical sentence you'll ever have. But that is who you are. In Christ, if you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. You are sinless. You are spotless. You are unconditionally loved. You are a soul. You are saved by grace. Praise the Lord. Let me ask this question. How will you know people when Jesus Christ dwells in you? How will you know people as Jesus Christ dwells in you? When you have a personal, close-knit relationship with Jesus Christ and He is exuding through you and living through you, how do you start to view other people? Well, sometimes... When Jesus, when we look at people in our own vision, guess what? We only know in part. Guess what? We only see what we want to see. We only see the good. Man, I just wish, man, they're so lucky. They got, they got houses, they got cars, and they got all this good stuff going for them. You only see the good. There's the, the converse of this. You only see the bad. Man, that person, all they ever do is bad things. All they ever do, you begin building a case against them because all the bad things that they do, but you never see all the good that they do. You see, when we look at people in our own vision with our own colored glasses on, we only see in part, and Paul is saying, now I know in part. Then shall I know even as also I am known. Listen, when Jesus Christ knows you, he sees you not as a sinless, or excuse me, as a sin-filled, dirty, rotten person. He sees you as blood-bought. He sees you as sinless and spotless. So let me ask this question again. How do you see others when God dwells in you? You ought to see them as sinless, spotless, unconditionally loved, saved by grace, souls. That's how we ought to see them. 
We've already mentioned this. But love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the church. The context of the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is love. So let's talk about love in the church, shall we? Love in the church. As you look around, there are going to be people that don't do exactly what you want them to do. There are going to be things that go on that you don't exactly want them to to allow to happen. But I want you to understand, love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, you have all right and you should encourage and, and help and exhort and bring and edify and bring them closer and correct when they need to be corrected. But speak the truth in love. Do it out of love. Do it because you care for them. Bring them closer to God because of your relationship with God. The Bible says, if ye see a man overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself also, lest ye be tempted. See, this is where we need to get as a church. As a church, where I'm seeing every single one of you as a sinless, spotless, saved by grace, loved unconditionally soul whom God hath bought. And say, God, they may have hurt me. They may have driven nails in my hands. But if I have perfect love, I can say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I can say, God, you died for them. They are your child. If it pleases you, you take care of them. I'm just going to continue to love. Let me re-ask you. Can we love perfectly? Can we as human beings Love perfectly. This is what I believe. When Christ dwells in you, yes. When Christ dwells in you, yes. The maturity of charity is very simple. Just living and being like Christ. Seriously, you go through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and you see if Christ did any of those things. Here's what I'm going to tell you. He did every single one of them. When you live like Christ and you have Christ dwelling in you and his love is perfected in you, you are a light to a world full of darkness. What are the qualifications of a mature Christian? I'll just sit down and ask you and say, you tell me what a mature Christian is. What would you say? Think about that for a minute. What would you say? Some of us would say, well, they're in church three times a week. Well, no offense if that's your answer, but that's a little shallow. Well, they read their Bible every single day and they pray. No offense again, that's a little shallow. Well, they tithe and they do this and they, they soul win and they try to lead people to Christ. Listen, again, I understand those are all things that are good and lovely, but hear me, those are only part that's shallow. Well, they obey commandments. They try to live a life pleasing to God. I think that's great. But listen, 
That's only part, and that's only shallow. You know what? Jesus happened to answer this question. He answered it with, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, and all thy strength. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he finished it by saying, Upon these two commandments, guess what? Hang all the law and the prophets. Everything else comes underneath it because love is perfect. Let me ask you, are you a mature Christian? Are you a mature Christian? No, I didn't ask you how many years you've been saved or how many years you attended this church or any of those questions. I asked, are you a mature Christian? If you are, guess what you'll do? You'll love, love the Lord your God. And you'll love those around you as yourself. Listen, I really don't know if there's a culture of non-loving in this church. But I know that Paul said to these people that a concerning brotherly love, I have no need to write unto you, but increase more and more. Do you know that love never ends, never fails, never stops? So there's always more we can do. There's always an increase that we can have. And so as we think about this and as we look at really the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, I want to read verse 13 again. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. Listen to me. Don't settle for that which is in part. Don't settle for I have the gift of prophecy or I have the gift of faith or I have such and such a spiritual gift and we could spend a lot of time on spiritual gifts. Don't settle for those. Paul said, I show you a more excellent way. I show you a more excellent way. You can see that in chapter 12 and verse 31. Let us love as Christ loved. Let us love those that are sitting next to us as Christ loved. Let us love those who are not coming back the way that we think they should come back as Christ loves them. Let us love those people that disagree with us as Christ loved them. The list could go on. Let's love as Christ loved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for this opportunity that you've given us. Father, this is continue to be a challenge to me. Father, I have no doubt failed because I've gotten my eyes on myself and how I feel and what I want to happen. I've forgotten that love is perfect. Love is unconditional. Father, that doesn't mean that people don't need to be corrected, that people don't need this truth spoken to them. It does mean that I am to love as you have loved. And so, Father, as I preach this message, if there's someone in my heart that I do not love, I don't know of it, Father, but please point it out. 
I would never want this to stand between you and I. Father, for those that sit in front and maybe listen online tonight, I pray if someone, there's someone in their life that they know they don't love based on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that tonight would be the night where you would convict, you would challenge, and you would help them to have the charity that you have described to us here in this chapter. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins so that we can experience and know the true love. Father, I pray that we would be a light to this world by our love. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.